is a beginning point. This is the beginning of the rest of my life. I got the meaning, and I got to write it down, because I don't want to forget it. Just win, baby. And welcome back to the Gold Jacket Podcast, probably sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight. I am your host, Gymnastic, and you can find me on Twitter at Gold Jacket QBs. I'm joined, as always, by the other host of the show, Connor Donald. He can be found on Twitter at Connor10, and we are proud members of the True North Fantasy Football Network. Make sure to check out the entire network on Twitter at True North FFB, YouTube, if you're checking this out right now on the TNFF Network, on the internet, truenorthffb.com, and on our newest platform, still haven't figured it out, Ooh. Instagram, True North FFB. You can find articles, rankings, podcasts, streams, and so much more. Welcome back to week eight of the NFL season, and we have a special episode today because we have another guest coming on to talk about an innovative tool known as, I do not know actually how to say this, but it's D-O-C-E. I like to call it the Doce Gabbana, plus our guest will be talking and joining us about the Tutty and Muddy, diving into the latest booms and busts and whether they will stick or not. Then I will go bananas, and I have been going bananas this season. Sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight. And I'm giving you my favorite MKF prop game for Thursday Night Football, which I am 12 for 15. And if you like that, and if you've been watching the show and following me along on Twitter, then we're going to wrap it up with gold and fool's gold, where these guys are going to give you their week eight starts and sits. But first up, what is happening, Connor? Man, not much. Apparently just fucking this whole broadcast up. But uh, otherwise, doing doing good, doing good, and I'm excited for tonight. So let's dive right into it because we got uh, we got lots to get into. But let's start by introducing first our guest tonight. He he does it all. He's a jack of all trades. He's a creator of Some Yards at Some Yards on Twitter, which is an awesome cause that focuses on teaching kids with special needs how to play fantasy football. I know he didn't get it off the ground this year, but I'm sure he's going to work on it again for next year. He's also the creator of the Fantasy Intervention at Circle underscore on Twitter, and he writes and ranks with the Dynasty Nerds, plus as a senior analyst for the Player Profiler. He is Chase Vernon at FF underscore Intervention on Twitter. What's up, Chase? What's going on, guys? I actually recently, and this is not in my bio or anything, so I don't blame you for not knowing, but I actually recently partnered up with a Trophy Smack as well. So I'm kind of like their content manager over there, but we're putting together a bunch of fun content over there at trophysmack.com. You guys can go find it in the smack zone. We just talk shit to each other. Like that's pretty much what we're writing articles on is literally like talking shit and how to talk shit and victory lapping. And, you know, you like the waivers came out today. Right. And so I just turned in my article. I think it might be out right now, but like waivers came out today and I saw like, Oh God, who was it? Like Randall Cobb is one of the guys you need to pick up and Elijah Moore. And it's like, like, first off, who the fuck would you drop for that? And second off, like, why would you actually run them out into your lineups, you know, with limited possibilities? I mean, it's just out, it's it's outlandish, it's insane. So, you know, we actually write articles on who not to pick up, you know, for waivers and, and try and go a little bit against the grain. So it's a lot of fun. It's the smack zone at trophysmack.com. 
Well, I am so glad I write the start set pieces because I don't envy the people who write the waiver wire pieces this late into the season trying to figure out who the hell to pick up. So I respect you, Chase, for, for that fact. But uh, we brought you on because Jim and I are actually big fans of this new tool that, that you've kind of been pumping into some of the group chats we're in together, and that is the the Doce Cabana, as, <laughs> as Jim would like to call it. But it's actually the dump-off containment efficiency score so first of all what is the dump off containment efficiency score so i'm actually calling it the dose right d-o-c-e the dose um and it's pretty much a way to measure defensive ability to contain pass catchers so actually let me pull this up real quick because i was actually just going and reviewing uh my test because i want to you know i want to evaluate where i'm at make sure that the score is accurate so for the, for the bottom teams, the teams that you wanted to target, right? The New York Jets uh, going into week seven were last place. They allowed Brandon Bolden to grab six receptions for 79 yards and one touchdown. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers allowed Herbert over there. Khalil Herbert to grab five catches for 33 yards. It's 8.3 points. Our threshold is eight points. We want to see more than that for a running back to, to get in the air. So you know, and you're sitting there and you're like, wait, 8.3 points. That's not a lot. Well, when it comes to pass catching running backs, it is, especially when the bears, since they, you know, or since Justin Fields took over is averaging 3.3 receptions to the running back per game and only 21.1 yards. So he's averaging to all the running backs combined in this offense. What is that? 5.4 yard or 5.4 fantasy points per game in the air to the running backs. And he just gave Khalil Herbert 8.3 just himself. So then you have the Atlanta Falcons, who were in 30th, the third worst team. They gave up 11 points in the air to Miles Gaskin. Um, the only one that didn't really hit was Henderson, and Darrell Henderson still got six targets. However, he was only able to come away with three receptions for a limited 19 yards. That was the, the one miss. Uh, in fifth place was Alvin Kamara, and we all know who that went up against the Seattle Seahawks on Monday Night Football. So, yeah, it's just sitting there, and it gauges running backs that you want to play. Uh, you know, up against certain defenses when it comes to them being able to pe catch passes out of the backfield compared to running backs that you don't want to play. So it, it's fun. It's been something that I've been tweaking. I've been adjusting the scores, making sure that that I'm accurate. And I, I actually compare it to the past four years that I have entered in worth of data to make sure that, hey, it's still leading me to the right places. And it's getting more and more accurate every single week. It's kind of crazy. I love it, Jim. What do you got? Man, I like it because... This year has been a shit show when it comes to injuries with the running back. I understand it always happens every year, but this year feels like it is catastrophic, especially with the bicopolics that just cast. I'm always looking for a potentially startable running back at any point, either season long, whether it's dynasty, because even in dynasty, if I can get one or two good weeks out of them and flip them for a pick, that is money. Um, but yeah, this, this year for sure has been a shit show. So I love this new metric where I can, uh, get these sneaky picks. Cause I do have Brandon Bolden on a couple of teams and guess what? I do not feel confident rolling him out every <laughs> week. And I rolled him out last week and I think he put up 18.6 points for me, which is very good. Very, very good. Considering, um, you know, I absolutely needed to have him. So yeah, I, I like this. I just, I just found out about this metric, but, but I personally love it myself. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, when we look at like the bottom five teams, or the, I'm sorry, the top five teams in terms of dose score. So I'm just looking at it right now, like Carolina Panthers went up against the Giants. Avante Poker only had two receptions for 15 yards. So that's 3.5 points to the running back in the air. 
Uh, Denver Broncos faced Ernest Johnson, two receptions for 22 yards. Uh, Houston Texans went up against Chase Edmonds, one reception for nine yards. The Chicago Bears went up against Leonard Fournette and Giovanni Bernard. They combined for, what is that, 4.6 uh, fantasy points, or I'm sorry, 5.6 fantasy points in the air. I mean, like this this score is getting more and more accurate every single week, and it's almost like a cheat code for DFS because you talk about free squares, right? And this is where this whole concept came from was from DFS. You have people that, that you know, call these, these running backs free squares. And it's just because they're taking over for another running back and they're really cheap price. Well, anybody can look up against, you know, a defense and tell how many fantasy points they're giving up or how good they are against the run. However, it's very hard to judge and, and guesstimate, I guess, what certain running backs are going to do in the air because the, in the air, it's, it's so subjective. Like, there are multiple different reasons why a running back could go off. Maybe their secondary is really, really good. And so the quarterback has to look for the running backs out of the backfield. Uh, maybe the um, defensive ends gets tons of pressure on the quarterback, so he doesn't have time to take five and seven step drops. So by the time he's under pressure, he has to dump it off to the running back. Maybe teams like uh, who was it? Like Dallas, for example, last year they had a really weak uh, front line in the middle, and so they actually allowed a very low dose score because if they needed three or four yards instead of dumping it off to the running back, they would just run the ball. So there's certain metrics, or not the Cowboys, but opposing teams up against the Cowboys. So there are certain like reasons as to why a pass catching running back will go off. And when you can actually pair these running backs up and find, oh, this running back gets tons of volume. Well, this team allows tons of volume, which also opens up opportunities for touchdowns. And you can pair the certain matchups up. I mean, you can talk about major, major home runs uh, that are to be had for DFS purposes. And when it comes to free squares, I'd much rather rely on that than just a running back who isn't good, who gets plugged in to a starting role and it's going to see maybe 20 carries, but only six, 60 rushing yards and no touchdowns. I like that. That, that. that is definitely a good way to look at it, especially you don't want to grab that, that second option on the ground. Who's like you said, only going to get you a couple yards per carry and get you like 30 yards on his five or six carries or, or eight carries or whatever it might be. I definitely I, I like that. What what are some of the key findings that have come from the from the dose? I mean, you've kind of touched on a few, but what are some more and what what more do you hope comes from the uh, dose? Well, DeAndre Swift is really, really good. I don't know if you guys knew that or not. Um, no, but uh, so, for example, one of my favorite stats is Los Angeles Rams. And I've kind of discovered this for tight ends, slot receivers and then, of course, running backs. Um, the Los Angeles Rams, they the way that they line up with. Uh, Patch Ramsey, I'm sorry, Jalen Ramsey playing in the slot now is he almost plays like a shortstop with nobody on base where they're playing behind the line. They're playing behind the bag. They play further back. Uh, he's not playing a lot of press coverage out of the slot like you see with some of these other slot corners or nickelbacks. He's playing a little bit further off. And what he does is he actually uh, tries to cut off the pass. He tries to jump the routes, which would end up creating, you know, for more interceptions, and whatnot. Well, that allows for opportunities for running backs and for tight ends and for slot receivers to go over the middle and catch a ton of passes. Now they contain it and they keep it at like four yards per reception. But if you have a really good running back, such as DeAndre Swift, uh, he's going to give you opportunities afterwards. We saw that this past week. The Rams are 22nd in the dose score. They allowed Swift to what get eight receptions for 63 yards and a touchdown. I mean, that's absolutely massive, and that's something that I want to attack from week to week. Um, the, the bigger thing, though, is seeing, like, which which one of these running backs needs, like, game script dependency versus which ones don't, and which teams allow other teams to pass up against them without having negative game script. Uh, so, for example, like, 
the Jets and the Falcons are two of the worst teams in the NFL. And they allow a ton of receptions, a ton of volume, and a ton of opportunities to pass catching running backs. And you're like, well, yeah, they're bad. But if I go to the top of the dose score, the Houston Texans are actually at the top of the dose score. The Jacksonville Jaguars are at the top of the dose score. So it's not every single team that's bad is going to be bad up against the running back. Meanwhile, not every single team that's bad that is going to be a negative game script is also good up against the running back. It really just depends on what their defense allows and what you can grab from these defenses. So once you actually dive into it, and you guys can go check it out, fantasyintervention.com slash D-O-C-E, dump off containment efficiency. Uh, you know, you can kind of dive in and see where I've, I've taken certain cuts and certain angles to be able to, you know, find the most out of these players. And there's going to be a lot more detailed variants to come. I just have to figure out how to apply it to the sheet without confusing everybody that's looking at it. Because I actually have a, my sheet that creates this dose score is six spreadsheets deep uh, in terms of data entry and everything. I love it. I think that's great. And you know what? I think it also offers a cheat code because you make you kind of made a good point there about in the slot and tight ends. Because I feel like there's kind of this this you know, it's very similar, the the dump off approach and using the slot and going up against tight ends, because I can imagine the Philadelphia Eagles are pretty bad on this score because they suck against tight ends, they suck against the slot, they suck against running backs from an overall perspective. So they're probably pretty uh, pre at a pretty high point there. But I feel like your system can also create a cheat code for the slot and the dump off game as a general sense, which is really fascinating. Um, Jim, you got anything to add? No. Um, what I wanted to know is since, you know, my, my term wasn't right with the Dolce Gabbana, I want to know <laughs> who do I need to up my dosage on for this week when I'm looking for some potential running backs because I am riddled with injuries. Um, so there are a few running backs that I'm checking out. And right now, I mean, I still haven't even entered in the data from last night just because I've been so busy getting everything with trophy smack lined up today and getting out articles for uh, myself and, and Mike Fiala, daddy's home FF and uh cooter doodle. Of course, we're all getting everything set up over there at, at trophy smack. But anyways, uh, I was sitting there and I was looking at some of the stuff today. And for example, Kenny Gainwell, I believe he has the Lions this week. And the Lions, they actually allow a lot of touchdowns to the running back position in the air. Uh, the main reason is because I believe it was like week two, I think it was. Uh, Aaron Jones destroyed him and got like three touch receiving touchdowns against him. I think four touchdowns as a whole. Uh, but that obviously kind of bullet up their score but they ended up kind of like meddling out a little bit. And over the past few weeks, they've actually allowed a lot of fantasy points on the ground, or I mean, in the air to opposing running backs. My only fear is with Kenny Gainwell, we don't know when we can utilize him. I mean, we don't know when he's actually an asset. Like Tampa Bay is the 30th ranked team now going into week eight, the 30th ranked team up against pass catching running backs. And yet they didn't even run Miles Sanders or Kenny Gainwell uh, up against the Buccaneers on Thursday night a few weeks ago until the, the, halfway through the third quarter. So we don't really know who to trust with the Eagles. Now, yeah, Kenny Gainwell is a great addition, but you know, trying to trust him is very, very difficult. Uh, certain teams that I'm attacking will be the Atlanta Falcons, the Detroit uh, Lions, typically uh, the Colts, the Chiefs, the Rams are becoming a, a new hot thing as of late. Uh, obviously that's majorly influenced by Swift. However, even before then, I was still attacking him with slot receivers and tight ends. Now it feels like they're starting to roll running backs out into the flats and into the center of the field. Uh, that's how teams are attacking them. So that's another way. And then 
the Seahawks because the Seahawks, you can actually use them. Obviously, we saw as Derrick Henry was strong, but you can use them as a running back on the ground and in the air. Uh, in comparison to last year, the Seahawks were actually epically bad up against pass catching running backs. Like it wasn't even relatively close how bad they were. They were horrific, but you couldn't run on them. So like Chase Edmonds, for example, right? Because Kenyon Drake was still in town and everybody's sitting there and they're like, oh, you got to play uh, Kenyon Drake. He just came off of a 40 point performance. I think he played the Raiders. Uh, I might be. I'm pretty sure I'm correct on that. It was like a Monday night game and everybody's talking about how crazy Kenyon Drake went. And then they have Seattle lined up and they're like, oh, you got to play Kenyon Drake up against Seattle. And I'm like, no, this is a Chase Edmonds game. Kenyon Drake goes out, gives you like five fantasy points and Chase Edmonds goes out and gives you like 29 or whatever the number was. I don't remember. It was last season. And then he does it again later in the season. Chase Edmonds goes off again. So when you see running backs, I mean, teams that are actually good up against the running back position. Like overall, like, you know, you go onto whatever your your platform is and you see, oh, they're ranked 10th overall. And then you go to the dose score and you compare and you're like, whoa, these guys are really bad up against pass catching running backs in the air. That means that almost all their production is being had in the air, right? Because they're not getting any points on the ground anyway. So all their points are accumulating in the air to these running backs. So if you have a guy like a J.D. McKissick, maybe. Like that's the, the time that I would want to attack a JD McKissick or something along those lines. But yeah, it's all week to week. I, I haven't gotten my data entry in yet or my predictions in yet for this upcoming week, but uh, that should happen by Thursday or so. Well, that that actually is is really a good point about the Seattle Seahawks because last night you have twenty carries for fifty one yards for for Alvin Kamara but he completely went off through the air. Like, I, I can't remember what his stats were specifically, but I think he was close to or over 100 yards, and he was targeted oh, 10 times at least. Like, he was constantly targeted. So definitely a good point there. Um, and I guess, lastly, have you been able to make the connection? Is it just week to week, or it's kind of coming out like you've been able to make this connection more from a longer standpoint, like through a whole season or from year to year, depending on how defenses change, right? So I've never been an Excel guy, right? Like I've never been a computer guy. I didn't even own a laptop until like two years ago when I started out, you know, the fantasy intervention podcast, like not even kidding you. Now I'm designing websites and building spreadsheets, all that stuff. So I've kind of taught myself how to do it, but I've always had in my mind, like this mental build out of pass catching running backs versus normal running backs when you can play them. And although I wasn't accurate all the time because I didn't have all the data obviously stored in my head, I wasn't able to know. But there were certain teams that I tried to attack uh, when it came to that. So now that I'm able to actually put it into data form, and I do have the data from the previous four years or so, it uh, it's allowed me to kind of go back and test all of my theories and and everything that I've put together. So it, just to show that it's accurate. I mean, and that's the biggest thing is making sure that I'm right because like I have one rule and that's you don't fuck with people's money. Like you don't. So if I'm telling you that you can go out and play a guy, I do not want to fuck with your money. I want to make sure you're making money and that you're coming back to me. And when you start fucking with people's money, then that's a huge issue. So like, for example, I mean, I had what one take out of four end up missing from, from last week. And that's even too much for me. I want to hit on 90%. I want to hit on 95. Now that's unrealistic coming from a fantasy football aspect. Like if you had a tool that hit on 90% every single week, you'd be a millionaire at this point. Well, I might have that. I just have to figure out all the rest of the positions as well. So, you know, hopefully I can hit on a higher rate than, than uh, you know, 80% moving forward. But this week was pretty damn good. I like it. And you know what? Jim and his going bananas is getting pretty close to hitting at 90%. So we're getting there for you, Jim, at least. But uh, yeah. Jim, do you got yeah. anything before we move into Teddy or Muddy? 
No, this has been fantastic. I really, I really think this has been informative and should help people at least like for me, it's, for me, it seems more like a, a waiver wire tool for myself where, or at least like a cheap trade target. You know what I mean? Try to get a guy, maybe look a couple weeks ahead on a schedule, see uh, attack a dose score like that and try to get a guy on a dip. But uh, that's just that's just me brainstorming some ways that I can fully utilize this nice fucking metric that I have just stumbled upon literally last week. So I, I, I was going to tout David Johnson in this um, <laughs> later. But I'll go ahead and throw that name out there since we already <laughs> talked about it. Uh, David Johnson is seeing an increase in snaps now, what, three weeks in a row. He's seen the eighth most receptions, I believe, and the 11th most routes run. I might have those two confused, but it's like eighth most receptions and 11th most routes run over the past three weeks uh, for the running back position. He goes up against the Rams, who just got torched by DeAndre Swift. Uh, like we talked about, what was it, eight receptions for how many yards was it, 63 and a touchdown, whatever it was, it was he got torched. So that is somebody that I would, if I'm desperate for a running back and I need some upside, let's just say I'm projected to get blown up by 30 points. I know I don't have a chance in hell. Then David Johnson is, is somebody that I would tackle. I like it. I like it. That That's definitely a good one. I know I made fun of you before we came on the air, but uh, hey, you got to stick with the tool. Yeah, You know, if it works, to. it works. It could be a could definitely be a good thing, but we love the tool and uh, make sure you check that out. For with Chase and and follow him along in his journey to continue to improve this tool that is really innovative tool, um, and it hopefully will continue to find even more ways to utilize it, even if you from a personal perspective. So love it, Chase. Thank you so much for taking your time on that one. And now you get to join us for the rest of the Gold Jacket podcast and go through what we usually go through. And we're going to start with Tuddy or Muddy, and basically. I have found some some trends or some big weeks from the last couple weeks that I want to discuss. And we want to know if it's a tutty, is it going to stick? Is it going to continue to happen? Or is it muddy? And you're kind of, you know, you're murky on the situation. You're unsure of the, unsure of the situation. And we're going to look at this more from a dynasty perspective because then we'll move into Golden Fool's Golden, look at it more from your season long and your week to week perspective. But feel free to throw in... Uh, Season long, it's tutty, but muddy for Dynasty. Feel free to throw one of those in because we often do that as well. We're going to start with someone who the Gold Jacket podcast truly loved, and that is Tua Tagovailoa. Um, he was a QB1 this past week with 28.54 PPR points. The rumors are swirling like crazy about Deshaun Watson, and the underlying opinion seems to be that Tua is just not that guy. He didn't, he didn't play in three games and left a game early, but produced 20-plus points in his three full games and 25-plus in two games. By per-game average, I found out today, in his three full games, he would be the QB1 in points-per-game average at 26.8. The majority of his stats are up, whether that be average depth of target, completion percentage, touchdown percentage, yards per game but also his interception percentage is up, as you can tell by some of the bonehead interceptions he's thrown through the season. Uh, we'll start with you, Jim. Do you think this is a tutty that he sticks as a, we'll stick with fantasy asset. We will ignore the real life aspect of it as a fantasy asset. Is this tutty or is this muddy? 
it's kind of muddy because his best moves have seemed to be coming after he throws the interception, which is kind of unsettling. Uh, I am a big fan. Like, I don't know. It just seems, almost seems like he needs to throw the INT before, you know, you get that 115.8 QBR rating and two touchdowns. And anyway, uh, I like to, uh, I think he's not exactly set up to succeed right now in Miami. I agreed. Agreed. Thought they, I thought they were. I thought they were, you know, setting him up. Listen, I love Jalen Waddle. I thought they were setting him up with a good mix of not superstar, but solid enough veteran wide receiver presence and good enough youth mix with Waddle and Gasecki. I did not believe in the run game. I never have believed in the run game. I actually thought it was going to be Malcolm Brown that took over this, who before going on IR was getting a lot more snaps every week, but that's besides the point. I don't think that he's set up to succeed this week. So for season long, it's very muddy. Uh, I don't think with the rumors swirling around that his job is even safe in in Miami. Like, yes, Brian Flores is saying he's the guy. Yes, he's saying he likes to. uh, But would you be saying you didn't if you were the coach? Would you really be mind-fucking your guy? No, you're going to say whatever you can to to help him at least – Win as many games as possible this season, and then look look to the future from then. But um, that's why I think it gets pretty muddy. I think he can be serviceable in a super flex league if you need some guys. Maybe Zach Wilson's gone down, and you want to make some trades. Uh, maybe I don't know who else is fucking Sam Darnold's getting benched for fucking PJ Walker. I don't know. Maybe you need somebody. I don't know. Maybe you took Trey Lance, but. Agreed. I, I don't think I think that the Miami Dolphins felt based on last year they were set up better than they actually are, which is unfair to Tua, in my opinion. What about you, Chase? What are your feelings on Tua? Uh, the dude's good, man. And people need to give him more credit. Last year there was an issue with play calling. They were trying to ease it in. He was only doing three step drops for the most part. He had a couple of five in there. But uh, they wanted him getting the ball out of his hands. They wanted him getting comfortable with the speed of the NFL. They wanted to make sure that he was not getting hit and that the injury to his hip didn't reoccur. Uh, and they didn't have any receivers. I mean, he was throwing to what, Isaiah Ford like every single week? I mean, it it wasn't good. So, mm-hmm. you know, moving forward, he's somebody that I think we can trust in adding Will Fuller to this offense, you know, if he is actually healthy, uh, can actually, <laughs> you know, only help improve it. Now, the the question that I have is, can they end up getting a running game started to be able to help this play action and and help the offense open up and get downfield more often? This offensive line has not been playing great, and this play action, people just have not been biting on it because they don't have to because they haven't been able to run the ball. Uh, you know, Miles Gaskin is good enough to be able to handle a full workload, although he hasn't had the opportunity, and the offensive line hasn't been great enough to to provide him with that opportunity either. So. I need to see more. I need to see better protection. I need to see a better push from the offensive line up against the running backs. And I need to see Tua um, start to utilize. I need to, I guess I need to see Flores and, and the staff start to call a better game that allows Tua to utilize the play action fake more often. And uh, yeah, I want to see Tua roll out. I, I love Tua, man. I think he's going to be a stud in this league for years to come. And I'm not talking about like studs and like, oh, he's going to be a superstar stud, but he's going to be somebody like a Matt Ryan who you can trust you know, as a starting quarterback moving forward, he's going to have his bumps, he's going to have his bruises. And sure, he's not really a Super Bowl caliber quarterback, quarterback, although Matt Ryan did make it one year. But he's going to give us stats for years to come. He's going to be a good quarterback. 
Agreed. I, I am doing some work on Tua for my start and sip. He said we'll be coming out Thursday morning through True North Fantasy Football. And uh, Tua's O-line has allowed the most pressures in the NFL at yep. 110 and the most hurries at 89. So definitely uh, sticks to your point there that he is not being protected well. He is not set up for success. And I mean, we loved him on the Gold Jacket podcast. We were touting him over Joe Burrow. We're like Still do love him. We're likely wrong in that regard. He's probably more of a safe approach than Joe Burrow, who's got the way sexier ceiling and way nicer ceiling. But he's still not given the being given seemingly the proper opportunity. And the weapons aren't around him because, I mean, at this point, have the weapons actually played a full game together? I really don't think so because they've been running into some injury issues and everyone's waddles banged up. Fuller's been banged up. He was suspended to start the season. It's been a pretty big mess in Miami, and some team will probably be very lucky to get him when Miami arguably moves on and goes to Deshaun Watson. So um, next up, I got one more quarterback I want to talk about, and that is my boy, Jalen Hurts. He's the only QB to be a QB1 in PPR in all weeks played this season. The Eagles offense has been absolutely dreadful, I would know. And a lot of work comes in the garbage time, I think, Somebody was saying, I think it was the fantasy footballers were saying like he averages 10 points per game of his 25 points in the fourth quarter. His future as a franchise quarterback may be in doubt, but as a fantasy QB, his per game average makes him the QB three. His completion percentage is up 9%. He's got two 300 plus yard games to his name, over 360 yards on the ground. Interception percentage is way down, Um, but and he's yet to score under 23 points in a game. Um, we'll start with you, Chase. Do you think this is toddy or muddy? Do you think Jalen Hurts sticks or is a job security issue a uh, a muddy situation for you? I mean, this is a get-right game if there ever was one up against Detroit, right? I mean, <laughs> you know, it's like – it's something I swear, like, I don't want any shares of Jalen Hurts because if he gets benched, then, you know, it's no good. And although he's been great for fantasy, he's been terrible for actual football. I mean, for your quarterback to literally not even come alive until the fourth quarter is, is completely, completely detrimental. And it's kind of funny because, uh, you know, Mike at FF Daddy's son, Mike Fiella, he actually wrote an article the other day talking about how you don't talk shit in the first half of the year because anything can change. You could have an injury. Something could happen in fantasy football. And so I added in a little thing. Some of the editor over there I added in a little thing saying, yeah, Jalen Hurts owners know what we're talking about because you don't talk shit to those guys until, you know, it's the fourth quarter and then you could start talking shit, but then you don't want to, because guess what? He's going to be going off by that point. Um, you know, and it's it, like I said, it's, it's great for fantasy. It's terrible for the NFL. He doesn't read the play action fa- I mean, he doesn't read the, the option, right? He takes the ball when he shouldn't. I mean, there were four or five different opportunities in the Tampa Bay game, actually the one that we talked about uh, when the show started where he should have given it to Miles Sanders and he kept it and the back end defender, and the safety, who were both, well, one or the other would be responsible for Miles Sanders, neither one bid on Miles Sanders. In fact, the whole entire defensive line didn't bite on Miles Sanders. So he would have had a touchdown, arguably, because everybody ran with Jalen Hurts, because Jalen Hurts has not been reading the option well. He keeps the ball in almost every single play. Um, he's also not accurate at, at passing the ball. He's not accurate in any part of the field, although he has been more accurate you know, with his deep balls. They're still not getting complete. 
um, because his receivers aren't aren't able to to create as much separation as, as he'd like. But it's just it's not a it's not a good situation for Jalen Hurts over there who's putting up stats. But my biggest thing is they don't want Jalen Hurts to be successful because I don't know how much you guys studied the salary cap contracts and everything like that. But the way that the salary cap's working out with the new TV deals that are coming in, uh, the salary cap's going to go up about 20% or so over the next few years. Jalen Hurts is up for a renewal in his contract, I believe, in what, two years, right? So as soon as these big contracts hit, and as soon as they have time to kind of manifest and create it, like you're going to start seeing these quarterback contracts adjust. So, for example, Patrick Mahomes' contract that he signed, half a million dollars, that's going to be nothing. I mean, half a billion dollars, I'm sorry. That's going to be nothing in a few years from now. It's literally going to be chump change. And they did it so that Patrick Mahomes can agree to renegotiate in like his third or fourth year. So like that contract, everybody's like, oh man, it's it's a lot of money. It's even more money at the front end because they know how much money they're going to start bringing in. So if Jalen Hurts is doing okay, right? And he's not great. He's also not terrible. You know, he's just middle of the road, but he's putting up numbers, right? He's putting up touchdowns. He's, he's not, they're not translating the wins, but either way, they're going to end up having to pay him and they're going to have to pay him a shit ton of money. And the fan base is going to love him because it's going to bring value, you know, when it comes to fantasy value, when it comes to touchdowns, et cetera, et cetera. They're going to have to pay him a lot of money, and they're going to have to overpay him, something that the Ravens were afraid to do if Lamar Jackson didn't become a better passer. Well, Lamar Jackson improved and improved and improved. Josh Allen improved and improved and improved. And so we're going to see massive deals over there. But Jalen Hurts, he needs to show that he can improve, or they're going to end up benching him because they don't want him to do well. If he isn't that good. And with this coaching staff, I don't think that they like, him. I don't think they're fans of him. Otherwise they would have worked certain things out of him and they would not be calling the plays that they're calling. They wouldn't be calling these run option, you know, plays. They wouldn't be calling these, uh, these five and seven step drops and, and not giving him an opportunity to, to hit a quick release to Devonta Smith. We saw how open Devonta Smith can get in the short range of the field. Like he is brilliant in getting open within five to 10 yards. And yet the coaching staff doesn't call enough plays where, where that's the result of it. It's all downfield stuff. So I don't know if the coaching staff and the GM actually want him to be good. And if they want him to be good, then he has to prove that he can be great or else, you know, he's just like, they just don't want it to happen. And they don't want the pressure from the fans and from the rest of the organization to have to sign him to a massive contract for being a mediocre quarterback. So that's my biggest concern is they're not going to put him in a position to succeed throughout the year. Yeah, and I mean, listen, as an Eagles fan, I could probably talk about this for an hour alone, but the underlying rumor and news and report going around Philadelphia right now is Howie Roseman is being trusted to get a quarterback yeah. with either leveraging the three first-round picks to acquire a quarterback or with drafting a quarterback in a very mediocre quarterback draft. So it kind of looks like what you're saying, Chase, may absolutely be correct, that they are not loving them. And my other thing that I want to add is if you're going to run RPOs, people, teams have to believe that you're going to run the ball. The yeah. key concept there is that any three could happen and the team, the defense has to read for that. But considering we did not you run the ball whatsoever and we continue to really not run the ball whatsoever – makes it very difficult to run uh, RPOs um, in the NFL. Um, before I get your opinion, Jim, I'll start with Chase on this one. We got a question. Eckler and Diggs for Kamara, Michael Thomas, and Hawkins. And since you're a Lions fan, I guess somewhat of a Lions fan, we'll call it Chase, uh, you might have an opinion on the Hawkins inside of this deal. 
Kellen Brown gets the Eckler side. Um, personally, I'm going to compare Thomas and Hawkinson. What about you, Chase? That's difficult for me because I don't want both Kamara and Michael Thomas. Um, mm. if I, if I, I understand that they were successful before, but that's not the case anymore, and it's not going to be the case moving forward. I think they can help the offense be more efficient, but I want a dominant uh, player in this offense. We're not looking at the Drew Brees era where you know he's going to hyper-focus on either one of these guys unless the play calling demands him to do so, which I don't know if he'll actually do. I love Hawkinson, and I love Kamara, but I would ask for a different piece other than Michael Thomas, I think, if I was going to give away Eckler and Diggs, because Diggs – he could come on hot at any point in time. Eckler, he's almost as valuable, if not right there with Kamara so far this year. I don't have the rankings up in front of me, but I think they're pretty close in terms of fantasy points per game. Uh, Eckler's injury history scares me a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. But I would still go with the Kamara side if I can get a better player than Michael Thomas. Also, I'm kind of out on Michael Thomas this year, so that might be bias. What about you, Jim? Well, uh, he's getting Eckler digs, right? So yeah, personally, I'm trying to oh, actually oh, shop Michael Thomas. Yeah, right? So I'm actually trying to shop Michael Thomas as well. I don't think he is going to be what you've seen him be in years previous. I do like Kamara, though. Um, if this was the only option on the table, I would accept it, but I would also maybe send a counter where it's just Michael Thomas and Hawkinson for just digs. Um, that would also be something there. I've been trying to sell the, while Michael Thomas still has name brand value and, and the nostalgia before you even see him fucking play a snap, uh, trying to get him gone. So if, as, if buddy wants Hawkinson and he's interested in Michael Thomas, I'd be trying to do a Michael Thomas Hawkinson for digs, but I'd also leave that table or that trade still on the table. Cause if it gets rejected, I am smashing it immediately. And taking the Eckler dig side. And just a heads up before you throw out the uh, your take on Jalen Hurts. Austin Eckler is the RB4. Alvin Kamara, the RB6. They were separated yeah. by 1.3 points per game. I know it's really pretty much a, It's almost like a dead even if you're going Alvin Kamara and, and Austin Eckler. But the right difference now. is, is Alvin Kamara has been seeing an increase in targets over the past few weeks. They've actually designed plays for him. Um, so Big Alvin time. Kamara should actually surpass Austin Eckler by a little bit over the next couple weeks. I mean, I don't think it's still that big of a difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Jim brought up a good point. It's like, Hey, Michael Thomas and Hawkinson for digs. I think at that point it would just depend on who my backup tight end was, because I don't want to end up having to stream tight ends this year. Um, you know, a lot no, of the, you don't lot, well, I'll like, stream there's... them. I'll stream them to get digs for that. I'd stream like, you know, to get out from Michael Thomas. I think that's the price you pay. Yeah. And I, I don't like Michael Thomas. I'm out on him, but yeah. Yeah. And so that Kellen makes Brown, sense. I would be sending another offer for Michael Thomas and Hawkinson just to get digs. But like I said, I would also leave that table up, that offer up on the table. And if it gets rejected, I'd smash accept. And then I'd also look to see in your league who is Eckler hungry because I'd also be looking to move him. Diggs is the guy that I really want in that piece. Mm, but. Yeah, because Eckler and Kamara are basically a wash. So you are getting like the Diggs Thomas, Diggs for Thomas and Hawkinson deal essentially if you were to leave it. But it looks a little bit better if you get to, you know, if you get to keep Kamara and get bring Diggs into the fold. Well, so can I ask you guys a quick question? Um, like, is this the right time to try and move Michael Thomas? Or would you wait till we started seeing practice reports? No, I think this is the time. I think like right now, before you had any uh, practice report uh, setbacks or any bullshit mm-hmm. like that, missed missed fucking practices. 
sell the name value right now of Michael Thomas and the nostalgia of of his touchdown dominance with Drew Brees. Uh, forget it. I think this is a new era. And again, like Marcus Callaway has shown enough to at least warrant looks. Like it's not he's not going to get the the. I don't even know what his share was before, but I know he had like a crazy share at one point. Yeah, I don't think he's going to get a crazy target share uh, there anyway. So, like, I'm selling him right now before anything, before you see anything from him. I don't want any reports on him. I just want him off my team if I have him. Agreed. Uh, I think if you're set, if it's for the right offer, don't don't sell low on him. Try and get it for the name point, the nostalgia, like Jim said. But if you're gonna sell Michael Thomas and you're getting like a lesser piece than what you've seen from Michael Thomas, I just don't I, I don't think I'd be prepared to pull it. But like if you're getting like a high end wide receiver two, you know, or something in that wide receiver two window. I almost think you could do because I don't think that you're going to necessarily get like a wide receiver one. Like, I don't think you can necessarily sell him at the wide receiver one window that existed when he was actually playing and putting fantasy points up for you. But you could get that wide receiver two with the one upside. Depends. Like I would take, see, it's like perceived, right? Like you say you wouldn't take a a lesser, Mm -hmm. a lesser wide receiver. But I think he's on the decline right now, Michael Thomas. So if I can get a lesser wide receiver that I think is on the incline, on the rise, on the up and coming, like uh, let's just throw like a Terrence Marshall who isn't doing shit right now or Elijah Moore who isn't really doing much that I believe in or Brandon Ayuk that isn't really doing much. Like those are guys like I would move off of them for because I think you can get an extra piece in there with that, like with that guy. I don't think you can – I don't think it's a straight-up trade value – uh, for Michael Thomas in that situation. Here, and you're Jim, get... also, also some names out for you. These guys are currently wide receiver. Let's go 15, 16, 17, 18. C.D. Lamb, Adam Thielen, Cortland Sutton, Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods. You're not getting Would any you... of those guys, though, for, for Thomas. Like, Thomas, I mean, he was drafted in, like, the, the seventh or eighth round this year. So you're talking about guys that are wide receiver threes that you drafted them. Now they're halfway through the year. You As know, wide and, receiver twos, yeah. Because these guys, uh, Court, are Sutton, I'd be taking Court and Sutton for sure because he's a guy like he's on the up and coming. Uh, Adam Thielen, no, because he's on the decline. Similar Same situation. similar path with with Michael Thomas, and you can't really get anything for him. Uh, Brandon Cooks, no, because he's a guy that I think you're overpaying for in this year situation that isn't going to be popping any more than Michael Thomas. He's on the decline. I want guys like like uh, Brian Edwards and Elijah Moore, a Cortland Sutton uh terrence marshall like these are the guys that a uh, brand Ayuk, uh, guys that i believe in that guys are low on that i think are ascending values that you I had to also... bring up brandon Ayuk, didn't you i did i did <laughs> what, about, what about guys like, like rashad bateman like rashad bateman's another one like if i can get rashad bateman and draft picks for michael thomas i'm out Perfect. That's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. What about that's what about line. guys like what about names like Amari Cooper? He's a wide receiver twenty six right now. He's Jacoby on, Myers. Jacoby Myers, wide receiver thirty two right now. Jacoby Would, Myers, I like, but I think you can squeeze more juice than that. I think see, I think that's where the line is. Is Jacoby Myers? I think that's that's where the line exactly is. Is like the Jacoby Myers type player where he's a wide receiver three, maybe wide receiver four flex option, and yeah, I mean, I don't like. I'm sitting there looking at some of these offers the other day. We were talking about Michael Thomas and I mean, people are offering like third round picks for him and, and stuff and they're actually going through. So those people that have Michael Thomas, I mean, like they're scared. They're nervous. That's like you're not able low. to get That's anything. way too low. What a third round rookie. Yeah. Like, 
No, like it was actually that's a shot in the dark. How often? How often do what does one third hit? Two this thirds. Is, yeah, this is the value of Michael Thomas. I'm telling you, like when you go into to Dynasty Trade Calculator, and uh, we I are talking Dynasty, are like, right? Yep. Yeah. So I think those are just like feeler offers, though, right? Like I no, think these are offers of, that have gotten processed. But like nine out of ten times, I think that offer gets rejected. That person's probably Thomas. feeling though. That person's like, "What do you think of two thirds for Thomas?" That, that's and what then, I think. I think and you're then like, yeah, the, the owner low. accepts. <laughs> the owner accepts. Like, no, I'm sorry, I I couldn't I couldn't be proud of myself if I knew I took two thirds for for Michael Thomas. Unless you're in like an eight man league where you're looking Even at like, the twenty fourth uh, best player in that draft class landing to you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like maybe we could talk. Uh, but Jim, what about Jalen Hurts? <laughs> so we'll move on. Uh, you know what, man? Uh, garbage time points are still points. I think it's definitely muddy, though. I think at some point in this season, you're going to see Gardner Minshew for the all the reasons why uh, Chase has already outlined. I don't think Philadelphia likes him. I think, uh, you know, this is the fan base that fucking hit Santa Claus. I'm never going to let them live that down. <laughs> um, like they, they like, and I was talking about this actually at work, like, Philadelphia is so fucking uh, right now they want instant gratification and they want to see what they have in their shiny new quarterback. And as soon as like anything isn't as shiny as it is, they just want to throw them out. Like, Gosh. It's like uh, my nephew with Christmas presents, right? He's like, oh, yeah, this is sweet, sweet, sweet. Five minutes later, he doesn't really care. Um, uh, you know what I mean? Like that's just, it's just really, really weird. And they, like, again, this is a team that, Actually, no, they had the pieces set. They had all the pieces set for, for Jalen Hurts, I think, to, to succeed. So they, this they, is just they, had, just... they had better pieces than what they had for Carson Wentz. I mean, did the fact that you went out and you got Devonta Smith, you got Kenneth Gainwell, like you, you got some additional pieces. They were given the support to allow Hurts to succeed, but did they really ever want you need better play to succeed? Is it, well, agreed. 100% agreed on that front. Um, next one for me, JD McKissick out snapped 46 to 30 and outproduced Antonio Gibson in PPR this week. Do you think this was a game script in preserving Gibson, or do you think this is a rest of season reality given the fact that Gibson's injury requires rest and the team and himself will not give him said rest? Uh, we'll start with you, Chase. I mean, it, it's just game, game script dependent. Uh, yeah. Antonio. Gibson is obviously dealing with some injuries, but the reality is like studying the dose score and everything that we talked about, it's all game script dependent. Uh, If we see some of these players, you know, if we see some of these opportunities where Washington's down, like they were up against Green Bay, like they were up against the Chiefs, we're going to see a lot, a lot of McKissick. McKissick's going to be a stud in the, the receiving game for the most part, just like he was previous years. And Antonio Gibson will probably return back to his volatile role as a running back on first and second downs, playing a little bit less third downs than what we saw. But uh, last year when I was looking at the numbers, Antonio Gibson saw like 20% of the snaps on third down. So that's probably what we're going to revert back to uh, moving forward. for Perfect. And before we move over to get Jim's opinion on it, we do have another question. I'm guessing this is Dalvin Cook, Jonathan Taylor, or Aaron Jones for the rest of the season. Uh, Chase. Oh, JT all day, baby. Jonathan Taylor. He's a stud, man. Agreed. Agreed. hundred percent. This, this show, the gold jacket podcast is not a Dalvin cook supportive show. So I don't think you're going to get a saying yes on the cook aspect of it. And Aaron Jones. I mean that man, I don't know. 
I don't know. That's spotty. That's spotty. Well, they missed the real RB1 on the rest of the season. Who's that? Brett, rest of the season, I'm actually going Aaron Jones with that. I'm going so? Aaron Jones. I'm going Jonathan Taylor too. But I mean, there do you do have to think like if so right now Marlon Mack and Naheem Hines are splitting because they're trying to gar- garner some sort of trade value for Marlon Mack. So what happens when Mack's out of the picture and we're back to the one if, two split that we're if saying, it happens. If so. which it damn well should. You should be <laughs> any going... type of value you can get for Marlon Mack. Come on now. Get yeah, but for the, the rest of the already. season, I'm going Aaron Jones, especially like now you got him going up against in a Thursday night with no um, Devontae Adams. I think he's going to feast, man. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm going I'm going Aaron Jones. I think he's got a better quarterback. I think he's got a better situation in the in the share that he's going to end up handling. And uh, I think he's a better talent, to be honest with you, than than JT right now. So that's just that's just my two cents. The real RB1, no, it's DeAndre Swift, man. It's DeAndre Swift. He's the real Harvey one for the rest of the season. Come on now. Maybe Come he doesn't now. have. Don't don't look at the jersey hanging behind so, him. <laughs> or all the trading cards or the autograph helmet. Um, no, but DeAndre Swift is definitely going to be the RB1. Uh, we're seeing, what was it, 45 routes run over the first two weeks by Jamal Williams. And then the previous three or four weeks, I believe. Maybe even over the first three weeks, Jamal Williams ran 45 routes. Over the past four weeks, that's what it is. Over the first three weeks, Jamal Williams ran 45 routes. Over the past four weeks, Jamal Williams has only run 25 routes. So we're starting to see a, a bigger and bigger role pick up for Swift. It started in the fourth quarter of two weeks ago in, in week six. Week seven, they knew that they needed to get him involved early, and we saw what happened right off the bat with the touchdown. Boom. We're going to see DeAndre Swift involved in the running game a little bit more often. We're going to see him involved in the passing game a lot more often. And when Ty, uh, Tyrell Williams, if he ever does come back, uh, it should help open up the offense, get some of those safeties off. So we're going to see some of these runs or these uh, these dump offs that are resulting in like six yards. They're going to start resulting in eight to ten yards because there's going to be no safety help over the top to contain him because they're going to have to worry about the deep ball more often. DeAndre Swift's going to be a monster rest of the season. Uh, he's RB1. I love it. I love the opinion. Now, Jim, what about you on the uh, J.D. McKissick-Antonio Gibson stance? So I'll take this real quick. I uh, I think it's a tutty. I do think he's going to continue to see looks as they load manage Gibson with that shin. Uh, he's very good at catching passes already. That was something that we all just wished would go away. I know he had like something like 30 in three games with Alex Smith last season or something crazy. We all just assumed that that was going to be Gibson's work. And he got a little bit of it, but I think this is, as we talked about last week with Edwin, and I think more and more about it, uh, Gibson's a guy that I'm trying to get out from. And so I think this is, he's going to be a thorn in Gibson's side for the rest of the season. So I think it's, I think it's a tutty for him. I love it. Um, next up, Michael Pimmon. He was a wide receiver eight this week and is currently the wide receiver 20 on the season. He has three 20-plus point games and five 10-plus point games. He's seen seven-plus targets in four games now and four or less only three times. Is Michael Pittman a dynasty wide receiver two? We'll start with you, Jim. Absolutely. Uh, the son of a Super Bowl champion, Michael Pittman Sr., you better believe this guy's got uh, championship blood running through his veins. Uh, I, lo- I love him coming out. Uh, I'm glad to see uh, 
I think the latest statement last last night or a couple nights ago was Carson Wentz loves to throw the deep ball and baby I love it too. So um I wish he had a little bit better of a quarterback throwing him that deep ball. But you know, as of right now, yeah, I think I think Michael Pittman is definitely a dynasty uh wide receiver too that you could maybe sell a little higher because if you ask people, there's about 15 or 16 wide receiver ones. So I think you could probably fall, fall in that fall in that range. What about you, Chase? Um, I just think it depends on the situation. That's somebody that I I don't have too many like massive opinions about like moving forward, just because I, I think that it is extremely situation dependent. Ah, uh, God, that's tough for me to say, to be honest with you. Would Where you did... draft him in your top 24 wide receivers? So I would based off of Carson Wentz production, but is he wide receiver 20, right? Um, Currently. Yep. Yeah. So I like, I mean, Pittman's somebody that he's in the background of my banner profile. So I like him a lot moving forward, but if we're going to sit there, we're going to see Ty or uh, T Y Hilton, not be able to stay healthy. Right. We're going to see, you know, Paris Campbell's out now. Like he can be the focal point of the offense and that's fine, but teams are going to start realizing that and they're going to guard, the, the box, they're going to stack the box, and they're going to double cover Pittman. So, like I said, I mean, he's just so just situation dependent because, yeah, if he ends up getting the volume, great, but you're not going to get yards up to catch. And then you're talking about, you know, having big hits and just contested catches, and that kind of wear wear on a receiver throughout the season. And then all of a sudden you're, you're left with dud weeks because maybe he's not good enough to beat coverage yet. And I think that's where Michael Pittman's at. I think he's very good in one-on-one. But when it comes to double coverage, you have to be like Devontae Adams special. And he's not there yet. So as we continue to see him develop and as we continue to see if the health is there for T.Y. Hilton and if he can get any help anywhere else in this offense outside of the run game, I mean, I think that it's tough to sit there and want to bet on him week in and week out for the rest of the season. So I think it's a little bit muddy, but I'm still on board. I still have a ton of shares of him. And if somebody offered me a decent deal for him, I'm taking him in a trade every single time because I like Michael Pittman a lot. Uh, it's just, you know, I, I have to get the right deal. And, and it's something to where, like, I'm not willing to give up a ton just to acquire him. And if I already have him, I don't really want to trade him just because I want to kind of see the situation shake out. I love it. Great uh, take there on Michael Pittman. Uh, wide receiver and a tight end quick here. Calvin Ridley finished just outside the top 24 wide receivers this week. He's currently by a per game average of wide receiver 28 in PPR. He's seen 10-plus targets in four of five games, uh, but he's yet to score more than 20 points in a game, but he hasn't scored less than 10. His percentage of team air yards and targets are down from the prior year, and his catch percentage is way down over the prior season, but he has less drops. Was Ridley overvalued based on his opportunity, or do you think the situation's just really not great right now? Uh, We'll start with you, Chase, because you kind of mentioned Matt Ryan earlier yeah uh Calvin Ridley is pretty much another version of Juice Smith-Schuster and that's what I've been saying the whole time now he doesn't play the slot and he's not a slot receiver I don't want people to misunderstand what I'm saying here uh he's just a wide receiver that was thrust into a feature role and he's not a alpha receiver you know we saw him perform last year when Julio Jones got hurt great that's a one-off like teams didn't know how to prepare for it because they only saw it sporadically well now teams know what to expect because he's their featured guy and he's not a featured wide receiver he's not good enough So I need Calvin Ridley 
to be able to do work with the ball in his hands after the catch, or I need them to get an alpha receiver so that he can see one-on-one coverage and be able to fall over as soon as he catches the ball. He is not a dominant receiver. He never will be a dominant receiver. Uh, he will be decent for fantasy as long as they have other options, such as Kyle Pitts, for example, once he develops and becomes a more regular target. But really, I mean, they need a, a bigger receiver on the outside once Kyle Pitts shifts more to tight end and they move on from, from Hayden Hurst in order, in order for Cabin Ridley uh, to be successful. Uh, the two biggest guys that I had as fades for 2021 were Calvin Ridley and Brandon Ayuk. And I mean, I'm, I'm happy with, with where I sat 100%. I love the Brandon Ayuk one. Cause I wrote an article for TNFF at the start of the season. It was, who were we, who is our biggest sell? And mine was Brandon Ayuk as well. So Jim, what about you on the uh, Calvin Ridley front? Um, I think Calvin Ridley isn't, I don't think he's not an alpha. I think it's uh, a little bit of a philosophy shift with Arthur Smith. Um, I don't think they have the proper run game in place. Uh, the Swiss gadget knife and Cordell Patterson's kind of eaten into it a little bit. And I do think they need another wide receiver, just not an alpha type wide receiver. Like, uh, let me just, I'm not just trying to think like real quick, like even like a Randall Cobb, I think would, would, would help him out really. And you could put Pitts back in line, but I think it's like a combination of things. I mean, I'm not really a big believer in Matt Ryan. Uh, he's like the yo-yo quarterback for me where I got to pick which year he's, he's statistically going to ball out for you, which week, whatever. Um, I've never really been a fan. I always seem to get him on years where he falls out of, I don't know, was it QB 10 range or whatever. I like the skill with Calvin Ridley. I don't like the team building aspect. I don't like what they're consistently doing with Mike Davis, running him into brick walls when that isn't his thing. Uh, I don't like how with the opportunity share going up with Cordell Patterson that the points aren't going to go up, which I've been screaming at fucking brick walls for people to sell Cordell Patterson high when he was getting 33% market share and still putting up the same amount of points that he's doing with a 75% uh, snap count. Um, and I just, I don't think that the formations that they're running are really as effective. Like I like Hayden Hurst. Like I like, I, I think he's a talented enough tight end. Obviously he's not a Kyle Pitts. I get that. I know who their fucking tight end is going to be. Um, I'm not saying Hurt and Hurst is going to beat him out, but like you can utilize that, that sets a little bit more and try to scheme yeah. Hurst open to, to help Calvin Ridley. Um, actually, to be honest, you know who I really think would be beneficial for, to the Atlanta Falcons? I know he's hurt right now, but um, I thought he was a really good pickup for the Baltimore Ravens at the beginning of the season. It was Sammy Watkins. As a Chiefs fan, like I loved Sammy. I understand he gets shit on a lot of times, but Sammy does the dirty work that gets other people open. It's no surprise, and I've been screaming this for the Chiefs. There's no surprise why teams can now play two deep cover safety and blanket Tyree Kill because they don't have a second option to – hit the mid mid and low level area out routes with Travis Kelsey and Sammy Watkins. They had that with, with those two. So you couldn't have two deep cover safety. And then you could always have the dump off passes with, with Patrick Mahomes uh, given to the running backs. And they don't have that. And that is the exact type of wide receiver I think Atlanta needs to do to benefit a guy like Calvin Ridley because he's not an alpha. Sammy Watkins isn't going to take uh, the number one looks, but he is going to do enough that garner defensive – coverage and knowing where he is on the field like they're gonna have to have a guy specifically know where sammy is and he gets guys open man but like i said he needs 
not an alpha because I think Calvin Ridley can be your alpha. I like but yeah, it. I think it. I think it's a little muddy. Love it. And lastly, uh, for Tati or Muddy, we're gonna wrap it up with Mike Gesicki. He's currently the tight end three on the season. And in four of the last five weeks, he's finished as a top eight tight end. Three of five in the top three. 16 plus points now in four games and six plus targets in five straight. Are you now putting Gesicki safely in the second second tier of tight ends with the names like Mark Andrews, Dallas Goddard, and TJ Hawkinson? Start with you, Jim. For season long, maybe, but for Dynasty, no. This screams to me like he's going not – I understand he's a lot younger, but like Robert Tanyan, Logan Thomasy to me, where guys just come out of nowhere and they're going to be tight end relevant. We always talk about this. Like, I don't give a shit about uh, that the, the third tier, I'll say, because I think there's only really two. I think there's two guys in your top tier, maybe three, one guy in your second tier, or maybe two, and then the rest that I want. Um, and I don't care if I don't get one of those four tight ends, really it's three for me, but if I don't get one of those three tight ends, I don't care. Cause I won't spend up for the fourth one. I don't care. Like I'll wait. I'm the guy that, that goes after the Dalton Schultz's, uh, the Dawson Knox's later because you can get them later. The, uh, Tommy trembles. Like fuck it, like I'm I'm a guy that'll stream the tight end if I don't get it's Kelsey and it's Waller for me, and then it's toss up for Pitts and Kittle right now. Kittle's dropping and dropping hard every every single time uh, for me. Every time he misses more time, but if I don't get one of those four guys, I don't care. I really don't care. Uh, personal favorite has always been Irv Smith. I've always been able to grab him real late. Uh, downer that he's out this year. So sad. What about yeah, you, Chase? Uh, uh, Gasecki for me is just somebody that's like uh, you just don't know when to trust him. Yeah, sure, he's been consistent as of late. Uh, will that continue with Will Fuller, Devontae Parker healthy? I don't know if that's the case. I mean, Devontae Parker has really been healthy all year. You know, he the, he commands some targets in the red zone. He commands some downfield targets that we've seen from Gasecki up the seam. Uh, you know, we don't know how this offense is going to look once everybody's healthy. And so if I'm somebody that has Gusecki, I'd be looking to move him, looking to uh, to acquire what I can, uh, take a downgrade, go to stream quarterback like Jim was talking about. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I'd be somebody looking to move him and see if I can upgrade it at a different position while downgrading at tight end for a tight end needy team. I like it. I love it. And that's going to wrap up Toddy or Muddy. And we are going to t- have a quick word from our sponsors who give us the great clothing that we wear. Here at the, Here at the Gold Jacket Podcast, we take family very seriously. We know that family doesn't always stop at the bloodline. It's a word that ensures trust. It's a word that, well, around here means that I know that I can count on you to have my back. Viridian Global is family, a family of the Fantasy Collective, and that is the exact reason Viridian Global will have your back. And I don't just mean literally covering your back in the best apparel they can possibly outfit you in. I mean at every step of the way, from finding the brand that fits you best to tracking your order to making sure you are fully satisfied at every step. With over 50 brands a part of the Fantasy Football Collective family, what are you waiting for? Join the family now. ViridianGlobal.com 
Love it now, Perfect. Jim. That, that was beautiful. Thank you so much for putting that together That's for so us. So cute. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> All right, oh, Jim. It's time to, time to go bananas. The reason you were paying people to listen to our podcast. Absolutely. Um, I'm loving this. So if you've been following along on Twitter, you know that on the stream, I give you one for Thursday nights. And then on Sunday, I'm usually dropping two, maybe three. Monday, I'll drop another one. So this last week, we went uh, three for three, unofficially four for four, because I got scared from that San Francisco 49ers game. It did not tweet it out, even though we had uh, Pittman and Mitchell in there for 1.5. But that doesn't count, because I didn't tell you. I only told a couple people. But we went three for three. So we're 12 for 15 on the year, Connor. We are smashing. And really, we're 12 for 13 on touchdown dances. We are 0 for 2 on more or less, so we are not touching that ever again on the year. I don't care how ranked the Thursday night games are, but this game is going to be a dandy. No Devontae Adams, but we got the, the, the Green Bay Packers versus the Arizona Cardinals, and we're going to keep it real simple. Um, we got the guy who I advocated for earlier on the show, Aaron Jones. And we got a guy who's averaged at least one touchdown a game. He has two weeks where he's missed touchdowns, but two games where he's had multiple touchdowns. That's DeAndre Hopkins on the other side. And we got Mr. Five Yards and under himself, James Conner with the Arizona Cardinals, because this guy is getting a lot of five-yard line rushes. And I know Bo on the point after show was kind of busting my chops and saying they're only one yard out, but I don't care if they're one yard or two yards. He's going to get in. This guy has five touched or five carries inside the five for five touchdowns. Uh, Aaron Jones, I think, has two for two, 66% rushing market share inside the five-yard line for his team. And Nuke Hopkins is a gosh darn beast. So I'm going 1.5 tutties. 1.5 is the payout. If you want, you follow me. That's your Thursday night lineup. Hit it, and then you follow me on Twitter when I drop another two or three. And hopefully we go, what, 13 for 16 on Thursday going into Sunday. I love it. Love it, Jim. All right, Chase, you ready, man? We are going to do Golden Fool's Gold, and we're going to run through some quick starts and sits for the week. Um I'll let you start it off since it's your first time. We're taking your Golden Fool's Gold virginity here. Give me your gold quarterback. All right, so I have three, actually, because I don't know what where we're drawing the line. All right, I don't know where we're drawing the line. And I have, like, the Bengals up against the Jets, right? I mean, Joe Burrow, mm -hmm. I, I, that one seems too easy for me. So I'm not, I'm not going to go with Joe Burrow, but that's, like, my first one. Um, the second one would be Tannehill. But once again, that just seems like it's cheating. So I'm going to go Carson Wentz on the other side of the ball. I think that, you know, we're going to see a good game out of Jonathan Taylor, but that Titans secondary is just absolutely atrocious. I mean, they're they're picking on Janoris Jenkins. They're picking on uh, Breon Borders. They're picking on, what's the rookie, Molden over there? Elijah Molden, I think his name is. I mean, they're, they're literally picking on everybody, which doesn't make any sense because you can only pick on one defensive back. No, they're picking on every <laughs> defensive back over there because the whole entire squad is just so useless. So I'm going to go with Carson Wentz. In a massive game, uh, three touchdowns, 280 yards, and one interception uh, to, to get you a fantasy win over there, Carson Wentz. Love it. Mine is Kirk Cousins up against the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys are going to push the yards and the points. They're among the top 10 in, te top 10 in teams in offensive yards. 
They rank sixth with one less game than the other nine. Um, so they've only played in six games. All the other teams have played in seven that rank in the top 10 in offensive yardage. They also rank second in drives that end in a score at 51.5%. Cousins is going to be forced to keep up, which will likely mean a game similar to that of the Panthers and Vikings two weeks ago, which ended 34-28 in overtime, and Cousins at his best fantasy output of the season at 32.3 points. That's what I'm thinking is going to have to happen. Might be a lean away from Madison and Cook Day and go to the air because the Cowboys are going to force it. Um, what about Fool's Gold for you, Chase? Uh, is it a quarterback that's not going to perform that everybody thinks is going to perform? Yeah, likely people are going to play him thinking, you know, that he might be a y, uh, QB1, but likely will, you know, m- miss. Disappoint. Like Pat Mahomes last week with 7.8 points. <laughs> <laughs> so this almost made it on my waiver wire trash article that I put out for Trophy Smack today. You guys can go check it out, trophysmack.com, and click on the Smack Zone. But uh, Mac Jones, like, why is he a waiver wire pickup? He's going against the Chargers. They have one of the hardest schedule or one of the best secondaries, and you can run on them. Like, you can actually run on the Chargers. That you've been able to run on them for two years now. You have their their middle linebacker, I believe, is hurt. Uh, they're, they're all, or their defensive line is, is somewhat banged up. But, I mean, like, you're going to really play Mac Jones up against the Chargers? Like, you're really feeling that ballsy after he had his best week of the season up against the Jets? I mean, half the, the games that Mac Jones has had are cakewalks. Like, don't don't give me that. Like, I mean, what? like, come on. Mac Jones up against Tampa Bay. Sure, he did okay. Like, Mac Jones against the Jets did pretty good. Uh, Mac Jones up against the Chargers, we're talking about a whole different animal. They're going to run the ball a lot. He's going to see limited attempts. I could see less than 25 passing attempts in this game. Uh, and they're going to end up going down, so he might have some garbage time value. But, no, nah, no, nah, get Mac Jones out of here. Love it. Great one. I got Tyler Heineke because people seem to be loving yeah. him because of the flow of the Washington game. Heineke bounced back last week after back-to-back complete stinkers, but the Packers forced his hand in throwing last week. The Broncos are the second-best team against fantasy quarterbacks in four of seven. They have had 20-plus put up, but in the other three, less than 15, and I think that might be where Tyler Heineke lines ba- lies based on the way the game script's going to go. This has the makings of a whole different game than what the football team has been forced into because the Broncos are a much slower offense. Ninth most plays per drive and the fourth most average drive time. I think they're going to be forced to really kind of go at a similar pace so that their defense isn't on the field constantly and being worn down. So I think they're going to have to lean on J.D. McKissick. They're going to have to lean on Antonio Gibson. They're going to have to run some time down and take up some more plays than what they're used to. So I got Taylor Heineke. I think that's going to be a boring, boring game between the Broncos and the Washington football team for sure. And my dose score will really be up for test this week because the Broncos have the third best dose score um, in the NFL Ah. thus far this season at a 4.21. It's actually tied for second. I apologize. It's tied for second with the Houston Texans. I I don't see Jaden McKissick doing much in this game. Like he'll have – so he's always been known for getting – volume but not really doing anything mm-hmm. with it like he doesn't have any breakaway runs he just gets six yards and calls it a day so moving forward like i don't think this is going to be a massive game for Jaden mckissick although we should see a decent amount of targets i think Denver Broncos are going to contain him and this is going to be probably one of the lowest scoring games if not the lowest scoring game on the slate reminiscent of maybe last night's 13 to 10 game Hopefully well not that i don't bad. think the weather is going to be that bad the weather was <laughs> terrible they had an excuse to have a bad game 
Agreed, agreed. Running backs for me, my gold. I'll start off Damian Harris versus the LA Chargers. You kind of alluded to it with the Mac Jones. The Chargers are pretty bad against the run and tight ends, but they are really good against wide receivers. They've allowed 12 fantasy points or more to seven running backs in six weeks, including three 100-yard rushers, which is lands exactly where Damian Harris needs to be. We can squabble over J.J. Taylor and, Brand- and Bolden, but we know who the running back, not receiving back in New England is. Um, so Harris is averaging 62 yards per game on the ground and 4.6 per attempt. Last week against the 32nd ranked rush defense, he put up 25.3 with a 14, 106, and 2 stat line. Who do you got for gold, Chase? So Chuba Hubbard here is very interesting for me. Chuba Hubbard's been able to put up points. Uh, you know, in this matchup, I don't think it's going to be, you know, over the top, too difficult this week, uh, you know, up against the Falcons. Uh, they could end up running the ball a lot more often with Sam Darnold not playing too hot over the past four games or so. Uh, you know, it, it's the Falcons, by the way, are the fourth or third worst score team, I believe. Let me check that out real quick. Uh, they're, they're 24th ranked. They're allowing 12.3 points to – Uh, running backs in the air, pass catching running backs in the air. Uh, Meanwhile, they've actually played some decent ones, but nothing insanely, you know, crazy on a week to week basis. Their overall dose score is 11.15. Chuba Hubbard could actually get some work in the receiving game. And uh, I think that's actually going to smash this week. Meanwhile, uh, we could see him have what three carries inside the five, four carries inside the five, possibly. I think that that Chuba Hubbard is going to smash this week, just like he has been doing. I love it. Definitely a a good pick on there. Um, My fool's gold. It's going to be Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams up against that stout Washington front. I put the two together because they pretty much split 50-50 every game. So it's hard not to, you know, combine the two uh, when making this decision. Uh, I know I put Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon as fool's gold last week, and and Javante Williams ended up the RB9 with 17.2 points. Um, but for me, I'm going to go with this because the Washington football team's got a really good defense up front, and the only way you're going to do it is through the air, and I don't know if I trust either of them to do enough through the air um, to produce and give you top 24 work. They but showed it last week. They gave you, what, 24.8 receiving yards in the air last week, uh, you know, and, and that's something that we could see moving forward with Teddy Bridgewater's health. You know, Teddy Bridgewater did not look right. He couldn't plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, he couldn't drive through his throws. And so we saw a huge detriment to his downfield passing because of it. And the main beneficiaries were Melvin Gordon and uh, Javonta Williams. So that could actually, you know, affect it this upcoming week. Washington is one of the worst teams when it comes to, to garden pass catching running backs. They are 23rd ranked with a 10.53 overall dose score. So I, I think they could actually do it this week. Plus Washington just hasn't been good up against running backs, but that's interesting for me. Jerry Judy is back too. So maybe, but like you said, he's yeah, not true. doing well at throwing the ball down the field. And so it would be tough to see how they scheme Cortland Sutton and, and Jerry Judy to make that work because Jerry Judy may not be full on 100% either. Like uh, Edwin said last week, maybe not necessarily roll them out right away, but it's hard not to against Washington who has a absolutely atrocious secondary. Um, who do you got for fool's gold, uh, Chase? It's going to be J.D. McKissick. J.D. McKissick, mm-hmm. who, uh, you know, constantly sees containment up against the uh, – or Denver, you know, is able to contain pass catching running backs. You know, I talked about it briefly, so I don't think I need to ab- elaborate more than I have. 
y'all want to go check it out, go to fantasyintervention.com slash D-O-C-E. And uh, you guys can see some of the, the scores. But Denver Broncos, I believe, are still getting targeted up against the running back. Let me actually look at that real quick. Uh, they're allowing two receptions per game, so it's not a ton. 24 targets in the, the season so far. So, yeah, it's not a ton, but they still are still able to contain them for only 19.9 yards per game. Uh, I believe they've only allowed one touchdown so far in the season to pass catching running backs. That's not great for uh, for Jaden McKissick. I, I, he'll probably end up with like four receptions, five receptions, maybe six for like 30 yards, and that's not enough to to bring it home for Jaden McKissick because he doesn't have the rushing upside. I need to get touchdowns of Jaden McKissick or I need to see 10 targets minimum. I don't think he's going to see it this year or this week. I, I like it. Wide receiver. Um, I'll kick off the gold. I got two. I got Debo Samuel. Then I got Emmanuel Sanders. Give me two guys who can make your week on one play against secondaries. They can do it multiple times against that's Debo against Chicago and Emmanuel Sanders versus uh, Miami. Sure, you can try rolling Brandon Ayuk out, but it's pretty clear Jimmy G uh, with Jimmy G out there. You plug and you play Debo Samuel, and you don't even think about it. Um, Debo's averaging six receptions a game and 103 yards, 10 plays of 20 or more for an, a 17.1 yard average uh, per catch. He's also seen an absurdly high 33.5% of teams' air yards and 33% of team targets. Um, Sanders is a Bills big play guy with a 16.8 A dot. He has dropped 13 plus in four straight, including five receptions in three of those games and five plus targets in all four of those games. Sanders is giving, making sure you have a very safe flex play every single week um, with wide receivers being targeted 70% of the time in Buffalo. And the Dolphins are the third worst against wide receivers in per game average points. Three straight weeks, they've allowed three wide receivers on opposing teams to eclipse 10 points. So that's too juicy for me not to put, roll out Stefan Diggs, Cole Beasley, and Emmanuel Sanders. What about you, Chase? All right, so you're a Philly fan, right? I am a Philly fan. Okay, who's your slot receiver? Avante Maddox. Wait, your, your slot receiver? Oh, slot receiver. Oh, Greg Ward? If that, I mean, Quez Watkins, I think actually uh, takes the lead in, in snaps over there. This but is true. This is true. Jalen Rager sees plenty of snaps in there as well. So, wow, Legereus Sneed, right? He's been playing slot mm. corner for, for the Chiefs. Over the past three games where he's played the majority of the snaps in the slot, he's faced Philadelphia, he's faced Washington, he's faced Tennessee. None of those guys have a very good slot receiver, and yet he's still giving up. Let's see, that's 18 targets over three games where he's playing in the slot. Uh, it's brutal. It's absolutely brutal. Legereus Sneed, everybody thinks that he's actually a good receiver or a good uh, corner. He's not. And so now he goes up against either Kadarius Tony or Sterling Shepard. If Kadarius Tony's healthy, I'm taking him. I believe it was what, like uh, every pass outside of one he got a first down on uh, thus far this season. It's some insane set. I don't have it in front of me, but. Uh, Kadarius Tony is able to create yards. He's able to make things happen, and they, they game script him into the playbook uh, for each week. So if he plays, he's going to give you a solid overall performance. And up against Legereus Sneed, it could be great. If it's such, if it, he's out, then Sterling Shepard's a lock for me. Sterling Shepard's been playing lights out for the majority part of the season. Uh, I think Sterling Shepard's dealing with injuries himself, though, so I, I need to check the injury report. Like I said, I haven't done too much research for this week because I'm still stuck on this past week. But... Uh, either one of those guys in the slot, it works for me. 
Love it. Fool's gold for me. Uh, I went with Jacoby Myers, given the circumstance we've kind of alluded to against the LA Chargers. The LA Chargers are the number one team against wide receivers. They have allowed less than 700 yards to wide receivers through six weeks. They're the only team to do that. There's a team that has seven allowed 742. Otherwise, those are the only two teams that are less than uh, less than 900 yards allowed to the wide receiver. They're giving up 25.8 fantasy points per game. Like you kind of said earlier, that is a stout, stout secondary, and people are becoming pretty comfortable with Jacoby Myers, and I just don't think I'd be willing to roll him out this week. What about you, Chase? Oh, man. Kind of got mine there. Uh, Jacoby Myers is somebody that I, I constantly like target, and this week was actually somebody that uh, I was staying away from. Let's uh, Let's check out... Hold on one second. I'm sorry. Let's go with uh, Brandon Cooks this week. I'm going to be fading mm-hmm. him. Uh, Brandon Cooks up against the Rams. I know they're going to need to pass a whole bunch. I know that that Brandon Cooks has been good, but there's a good chance where Brandon Cooks, you know, all these working outside, the way that Jalen Ramsey actually plays, the outside corner could actually float towards the the slot or the middle of the field. Meanwhile, Jalen Ramsey will take the deeper target for those opportunities, and that deeper target could be Brandon Cooks. I'm looking for Brandon Cooks to be shut out uh, this week. Love it. And lastly, tight end before we wrap up, uh, gold for me, Tyler Higby. He's going up against the Houston Texans, who are the third worst against tight ends. Higby's seen five-plus targets in five of seven games. He's currently the tight end 13, obviously not too sexy, but he has given three top 12 finishes. Uh, the Texans are giving up the most touchdowns to tight ends in only two teams tight ends failed to eclipse 10 points. And that's two teams who can't figure out who the hell they want to use at tight end the Indianapolis Colts and the Cleveland Browns. And I think in those games, they both tight end scored close bordering on 10 points. So this is a juicy matchup for Tyler Higby. Um, so I'm going Higby against Texans. What about you, Chase? This one was, uh, this one's a little bit tougher for me just because I'm sitting there and I'm looking around the league and I'm like, damn, like who can I actually roll with? And I'm kind of feeling Zach Ertz this week. Again, I mean, uh, yeah, I know it's again. I get it. I can't get it. <laughs> but up against Green Bay, right? Like Green Bay, they've been okay up against the tight end this far this season. But I mean, I don't think they've actually played anybody. So I'm trying to get the the stats up in front of me as I'm talking. Um, they have played the Saints, who you know ended up getting two touchdowns on them from I think it was Juwan Johnson got both right. That's, I mean, he's not even relevant. He, they faced Hawkinson and gave up eight receptions for 66 yards and a touchdown. Uh, they faced George Kittle and gave up seven receptions for 92 yards. And then after that, they haven't faced anybody. I mean, Ricky Seals-Jones put up six for 51, so that's double-digit fantasy points. Uzma had a little bit of a rough outing, I guess, but you know they didn't need to, to utilize him because like they have Jamar Chase, so why not? Um, or why would they? It's just something as to where like Green Bay is just not very good up against the the tight end position when they do play a good one. And Zach Ertz, he still has it. I mean, sure, he drops balls and, you know, he does mess up uh, a rouse from time to time, but he doesn't have to worry about that in this offense. He should be wide open, plenty of opportunities. And I think they utilize him again. I think he's going to at least have 40 yards and a touchdown on six receptions. That's my call. I love it. And fool's goal for me, I you kind of alluded to him. I got Ricky Seals-Jones against the Denver Broncos. <laughs> The Denver Broncos have actually been pretty good up against uh, tight ends. They're only giving up about 8.2 points per game. 
Um, and there's only two tight ends who have actually scored 10 points on them, and that is Mark Andrews and Darren Waller. And unfortunately, Ricky Seals-Jones is neither Darren Waller-esque or Mark Andrews-esque. I think he's going to have a rough game, even though he's going to play 100% of the snaps likely again. I'm going with uh, Ricky Seals-Jones, and I feel like I took your guy, Chase. It's actually the third time you did, uh, but <laughs> I'm good. I've been rolling this entire time because um, I didn't look at it. I was, you know, I looked at the show sheet obviously prior to the show, but you know, I was running a little bit behind, so I've been trying to write stuff down. This is these are like my notes right here. So um, <laughs> I had all my guys written down on on this sheet, and then uh, yeah, you, you've had it three different ones. So I've literally been scrambling the entire time that you've been you've been going, but it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. Um, I'm going to go with if Gronk plays Gronk, if, if not OJ Howard, right? Uh, is there a timetable on Gronk? Has anybody heard? So far, nothing. He could play this week. I know that it was up in the air for this past week and he got ruled out, but I don't know. I was the same way last week. I put Gronk and OJ Howard together because no matter what, you didn't want either of the tight ends. But Yeah, up against the Saints, man, I don't trust it. They're porous on the outside. They're actually pretty good on the inside. Uh, whether that's rush defense or you know pass defense, it's all about the same. If you're going to attack them, you're going to attack them outside the numbers. And although Gronk does run more routes to the outside of the numbers than what OJ Howard runs, which makes me a little bit nervous, I'd still end up uh, opting to fade him, and uh, especially OJ Howard this week. Love it, Jim. Anything you want to add before we do our Jim's just been chilling, man. Outro. No, man, uh, I think it's hilarious, Chase, because the reason why I don't do these anymore <laughs> with Connor is because he consistently takes the guys that I really want to say. Um, and he's just better at it, actually, than, than I am. So And I, I just dropped that. the show sheet. I built the show sheet, and then I go and I fill it in. And then Jim, by the time he gets a chance to open it, he's like, oh, well, shit. Uh, no, so we have a Chase. Tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, we uh, Wednesday night at nine o'clock. Right, I do a, Shane, a show with Shane Manila and Jacob Sanderson, and we do something similar. We do players outside the top twenty that can finish inside the top twelve, and we actually have a competition where you have point based skills on it and stuff. So all of a sudden, the show sheet, just like you were talking about, uh, kind of where you send it to them ahead of time, so they have a chance to do it. But if they don't get it done, then you're hopping in and you're you're taking the guys, and so it, it's kind of funny because it's like. For quarterbacks, it's outside the top 15 that can finish in the top 12, and same thing with tight ends. But the landscape is so barren some weeks. You're like, dude, I don't even want to pick any of these guys. Like, I'm about to give people <laughs> bad advice just to try and win a contest. Like, screw me. But it's funny because we get competitive with them. We're like, all right, we're going to find somebody. We're going to find We're gonna find the next gem over here. I love it. I absolutely love it. So thanks, everybody, for listening and for, well, for those listening and for anybody who's been watching tonight. Thanks for all your support. We love you all so much. Make sure you rate, review, like, or subscribe wherever you listen to us or watch us. Um, thank you so much, Chase, for coming on. As always, you can find Chase at FF underscore intervention on Twitter. Um, and you can also find all his content creation at join our circle underscore on Twitter as well. Um, any Anything else? I thank you for coming on talking about the dope score. That is super interesting. That was so much fun to hear all about it. Uh, anything you want to say to people before we uh, let you go? No, man. I appreciate you guys for having me on. It's fun. Go check us out. Go to fantasyintervention.com slash D-O-C-E to check out the dump off containment efficiency score. It's coming up, man. It's, it's making its strides. Love it. And it definitely will continue to. And make sure you check out Jim at Gold Jacket QB's myself connor at connor 10 ten T E N on twitter 
at True North FFB on Twitter as well. Make sure you smash subscribe on the TNFF network on YouTube and check out truenorthffb.com. We got four weekly shows and we got three, four weekly articles that are popping out every single week. Um, and for now, next week, it's just going to be me and Jim. So we'll be back to normal on the Gold Jacket podcast. Um, but for now, we will see you next Tuesday.